I, you know this, but I'm a weird person. I've always been a weird person. For a lot of reasons and a lot of ways. The only thing normal about me is my, my beautiful bride who, you know, she tries to help make me more normal, but I'm really just, just weird. And I don't know why this started or how this started, but um, I've become a pen aficionado. Uh, pen, writing utensil. Uh, some of you are, some of you have been, some of you have gone out, maybe you've bought one of those cross pens, or maybe if you're really highfalutin, you get one of those Mont Blanc pens. Um, I have my own pens, they're important to me. Um, they're so important to me um, that I, I make sure that I, I have plenty of them in stock. They're not Mont Blanc, they're not cross, um, they are actually just these, these pilot pens. Um, I buy them in boxes of 12. Uh, I have three different colors. I have black, I have blue, and I have red. And so I've had these for a while. Um, Bob is already laughing because he knows where this is going. And so I don't know why, but I have this weird deal of I like using things up until they're completely gone. Okay? Like I'm the weirdo that if there's like a quarter of a gallon of milk and there's a full gallon of milk, I won't get into that whole gallon of milk until the quarter gallon of milk is gone. Even if the quarter gallon of milk more resembles cottage cheese. Like, I'm going like, to finish this thing. I want to get all of it. Like, oh, oh, okay, now I can get into the new one, right? And so I do that with my pens. And I know this is a little weird, but um, I, I put my name on them. I, I take little pieces of paper. I print them off. It says property of Doug Crumb. Cut them in little pieces, and I slide them in there. It's, it's normal. What's a little abnormal about it is for some reason I got this idea years ago that I wanted to number them. <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know why because I wanted to use up number one and then when it was completely gone, I would get to number two. This one is number from, for the Black Series because they all have their own numbers. This is number 22. Okay, this, is, this is Black Pen number 22. Okay, I, the problem with this is not me. It's not me. The problem is I work around people who are mean and hurtful. And they steal my pens. A couple years ago, I got a text from somebody who I won't name, Lance. And it said on the text, I'm having breakfast with number 14. And he sends a picture of eggs and my black pen next to the eggs. It took months to track it down and steal back number 14. But it got in my possession. I was able to use it up and then I got to go on to number 15. So I'm a weird person. And you're thinking, why are we wasting so much time talking about pens? Well, there's a reason. Because this morning, my youngest daughter, Gracie, came up to me. She just turned on. She said, Dad, I have something I want to show you. And uh, she says, it's in, it's in her little bag. She says, you have to guess what it is. I have, you know, you never know with Gracie what it's going to be. I mean, she's always creating and making something. Uh, and finally, she shows me what it is. It's a pen. And she put her name on it. <laughs> um, so I'm tempted to take it out and put a little number one by it, but I, I don't want to make her weird. I want her to choose on her own to be weird. Um, but she has no hope being around me. She's got a pen with her name inside. This pen is probably like 75 cents, but she's like, oh yeah, I want to make sure that everybody knows that this is Gracie Crumb's pen. Right? I just love this. Okay? Um, I want to talk about the idea of honoring your parents for just a few more seconds before we get into the rest of these. Um, people can probably guess that 
that Gracie is related to me. Um, we we show up together, or or we sit near each other. We kind of look a little no, not that much. She has my blonde hair, but she has her mama's good looks. But she's just my my sweet little girl. Um, but one of the reasons that people can identify her as being related to me is because she carries around a pen with her name in it. The one of the ways that we honor God is the way that we we act like Him, and the way that we're we're different than the rest of the world. I shared this last week, but but one of the the quotes that that comes up over and over again is is Randy Harris says he says embed yourself into a community of people and start committing subversive acts. And I'm serious when I say that choosing to be a follower of Jesus makes you a weirdo. It makes you different. Now, we can shun that, or we can embrace it. And, it, and we weren't so weird 30 years ago. 40 years ago, 50 years ago, I get the sense that we weren't as weird as we are now. If you choose to follow Jesus, that's becoming more and more strange and weird and different. The way that you show kindness and love to other people, the way that you honor your parents is weird today. Now, you're saying, well, we've always had that. You go back to the 60s and, and they rebelled against their parents in the 70s and 80s. They rebelled against their parents. And, but it seems like more and more, it's not just this idea of rebellion and really rebellion was a way of, I want to have my own identity. More and more, it, there's this almost a sense of loathing, not, not just for parents, right, but for this older generation. More and more we're having younger people who have disdain and, and, and really hatred for the people that have come on before. And maybe that's always been around. I believe that's always been around to some extent. But it just seems like more and more that if you show kindness to older people, you're just weird. You're different. I'm actually kind of proud that my daughter is weird enough to carry around a pen with her name on it. And I just guarantee that God is proud when you walk around and you show kindness and love to your parents and to the generations that have come before you. To show honor to them. It's it's something that's almost lost on our society. And, and, and I just read um, an article just a few weeks ago that was talking about when a society gets to a point where they have hatred for the, the people that helped create that society, that's when you see its demise. When this forgetting what the, this country was built upon and saying those are old people, they don't matter. We don't believe in this anymore. We're smarter now. We're more well educated. And we don't believe the myths that they believed in when this country was formed. 
when this family grew up, we've now tried to distance ourselves from that. And you see the result of that. And I don't know if they can deny it. I don't know if they try to deny it. I mean, I guess that you can make up different excuses, but I didn't grow up in a society that I'm seeing on the TV. And maybe because we have more cameras everywhere and people are always filming and watching and uh, putting stuff on social media and it makes it to, to the broad media. But I just, I don't remember the hatred and the violence that just seems to be so absolutely natural. And we can talk about the violence that takes place between police officers and their subjects. We could talk about the violence that takes place between perpetrators and their victims. We could talk about all sorts of that kind of big violence. But what about what, about what happens between normal people? Like the, uh, this, this road rage that we're dealing with. It just seems like one little thing. It just sets people off. They're, the, the referee for their kid's eight-year-old basketball game makes a bad call. And people are just so on edge. They're just looking for an opportunity to just lash out. And so that's why I think the Ten Commandments are really, really important. And whether or not you think they should be posted on a wall of a government building, I'm going to say my response is they should be inscribed on your heart. And as God followers, we need to have those in our lives. So, you know, let's go back to Exodus chapter 20. After we get honor your father and mother, it, it seems to get a little bit easier, right? Because, you know, that one's kind of tough. It's kind of vague. We don't really know what to do with it. But then after that, there's most of them are, are pretty concrete. And honestly, they're pretty black and white. A few of them, as far as I can tell, we don't have a problem with. Now, there's some others that kind of step on the toes a little bit, but I want, I want to read a few of these. After we have honored your father and mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Sam Abney came up to me after the sermon. He says, well, you forgot to add in the other part. Um, and I said, what is that? And he says, well, you know, the, the second part of that is, um, I brought you into this world and I can take you out of it. <laughs> and he says, and we, we can back it up because later on it says if you don't honor your father and mother, you can be stoned. Something to think about. Something that maybe you can, you know, you're talking to your kids. The Bible says, Old Testament school, like we can get rocks and start throwing them at you. But what exactly does honor your father and mother? But then we have this, you shall not murder. Again, I don't want to argue. I don't want to be a critic. But I do think that shouldn't, shouldn't that go up a little higher? Shouldn't that be the first one? Like I'm thinking if there's like one thing like you shouldn't do, let's not murder people. And the good thing is, we, as far as I know, like we're all free of that here. 
Like, we can just skip that. Number six, it's done. But I, I don't want to just yet. Because remember, the Ten Commandments aren't simply rules. What are they? They give us an idea of who God is. Okay, several weeks ago we talked about the Epic of Gilgamesh. Anybody familiar with the Epic of Gilgamesh? I kind of summarize that a little bit. One of the things about this, this and other uh, Greek mythology is this, this idea of the gods are angry and they're looking to punish and hurt people. And, and they want to cause rampant destruction uh, throughout the world. We don't read about this. God calls us to be a people of love and mercy. Does God discipline people? Absolutely. Especially when we're talking about societies that choose to murder their children and sacrifice them to these other gods. And God says, I don't want to have anything to do with that, and you shouldn't either. And so He is going to allow discipline and cause uh, or will discipline people throughout the Old Testament. And even on into the New Testament, we get this idea of a God who disciplines us. But do not murder. Like, we don't really have a problem with that. <laughs> or do we? It was years ago. I didn't realize how long it was. Uh, many people still look back on the series that I did several years ago, and it's an opportunity to pick on me uh, and say, yeah, remember the Sermon on the Mount? That was the longest three years of my life. <laughs> um, but it actually was not long after I got here, just nearly nine years ago, I started this series, The Sermon on the Mount. It's five. It's, five. it's three chapters. Chapters 5, 6, and 7 of Matthew. It's like 108 verses long. If you read it from start to finish, out loud, it takes like 22 minutes. Best sermon ever. Just, just phenomenal. And it is just so absolutely radical. And Jesus is going to take many of the commands and He's either going to directly talk about them or indirectly He's going to talk about them. And He's going to do these antithesis in each one of them where He says, you have heard this, but I say this. And so I want to go and I want to listen. What does Jesus have to say about this idea of murdering? Which, by the way, I just want to show of hands, how many people think that it's okay to murder? How many are like, yeah, it's, it's a good thing. I'm not talking about conscientious objectors. I'm not talking about parents who have teenage kids. That's a completely different story. Like we can, there's a gray area, right? But by and large, this idea of murder is considered by society across the board and certainly by God is to be unlawful, sinful. So I think we're pretty good on that. But listen to what Jesus says. He says, You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, Do not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. Okay, good. I can go with that. He's going back to Moses. He's going back to Sinai. But listen to this. He says, But I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. That's a little different, isn't it? 
Like murder, I'm good. I'm clear. I thought about it, like, but I've never really, I've, I've never gone through with it. So Ten Commandments, Moses, Sinai, I'm good with that. But Jesus is going to take it a step further. Now, is this because he wants to be nitpicky? Is it because like that was too easy of a command and I need to make it a little bit harder? Like that's what you got when you're in elementary, but now like we're we're making the test harder. Like too many people are sliding into heaven because they didn't murder, and so we really need to crank it up. It's starting gonna get full. You think that was his reasoning behind that? Jesus didn't come to abolish the law. He came to fulfill it. Have you ever thought about uh, some of the, the comparisons between Moses and Jesus? Matthew is going to go out of his way to point out Jesus was like Moses, only better. Moses had a troubled upbringing, remember? He was a basket case floating in the Nile, right? We have Jesus who had to flee Himself. Both of them were going to be killed and they survived. Do you remember where Moses fled when he left Egypt? He went out into the desert. Where did Jesus go to begin His ministry when He needed to start out? He went to the, he went to the desert. By the way, when, when Jesus was just a little boy, do you remember where He went to? He went to Egypt. Moses was in Egypt. Jesus was in Egypt. They both come out. Okay, They both end up where? On a mountain. They both have their greatest sermons on a mountain. Mount Sinai. We have Moses there giving the Ten Commandments. The greatest sermon, arguably, that Jesus ever preached. Certainly the one that we have recorded is Jesus on a mountain. And in each time, they're not only just giving laws, they're talking about who God is. And how knowing God changes the way we live. And this is where Jesus is going to go. Jesus is going to say, let me tell you about God. And He's going to talk about murder, but not in the, the gun sense, the knife sense, the club sense, the stone. He wants to go even deeper, and He wants to go even further back. Because He knows, and I'm not trying to start a fight here. Don't misunderstand me. Okay, He knows that the gun is not the problem. Okay, the gun is not the problem. Okay, I saw a bumper sticker that says, you know, if, well, it's not, if, if guns, if guns kill people, then spoons cause obesity. Right? Like, it's not the spoon's fault. I'm not here advocating for, for guns. I, I, I'm not talking about that. I'm just saying that a gun is nothing without a person holding it. Okay? The same thing is about a knife. Okay? The same thing, I've been watching this show on TV. It's, it's filmed in uh, um, the UK. It's actually called Caught on Camera. And they have thousands of CCTV cameras. And so, like they show these. They don't have guns over there, for the most part. Um, 
they have lots and lots of violent crimes. Very little shootings. Lots of stabbings. They have knives and machetes. It's not the knife that's the problem. Okay, It's the person holding the knife. Now, again, I'm not here saying everybody should go get an AR-15. Okay, I'm not saying that everybody should turn in there. This is not the issue. Jesus is saying murder is not the problem. It's what comes before that that's the problem. And it's what you and I struggle with every day. Now, maybe I've thrown you under the bus on this one. Maybe I should say it's just what I struggle with every day. And if you want to throw yourself in my lot, then that's fine too. But the real issue is the anger and the hatred that we feel towards our brother and our sister. That's where it really starts. And I don't know why this happens. It Literally, I don't understand why this happens. It seems the more we're like someone, the more that we hate them. That, it just seems weird to me. Like We have so much in common with people, and it seems like we want to hate them because they're almost just like us, but they're not exactly like us. And we don't do this anymore, but years and years and years and years ago, in a land far, far away, in a galaxy far, far away, we would sit in our church buildings, and we would spew out venom towards the building that was next to us because their worship style was a little different. They loved Jesus. They pray to God. They read the same Bible. They sing the same songs. But they do something a little, just, just a little bit different than us. Like honestly, I, this is terrible. Please don't judge me. Like I thought my enemy when I was a kid was the Baptists. Like I thought that, like I, I mean that was the Baptists. And I knew this because like we had to get out of church early enough so that we could beat them at Luby's. Not literally beat them, like get there first. Like that was like our badge was like, yeah, you know, if you if you drop the organ, you could get through with the song faster and you but you didn't. And so you're in line behind us. You know, and but but seriously, there there was this I really grew up with this understanding, this teaching, that those people who loved Jesus but did something just a little bit different. They were the worst. Because they were, they were like us, but they really weren't us. And so those are ones that we hate. Yes, Julie. Yes. I was so sheltered and in such a bubble. This is a sad statement. And again, good people who I love who were, who were just trying to find their way and they were trying to read the, the, the Bible the way they could. But I literally, I'll never forget, I was a freshman in 
college. And I remember thinking for the first time, what if the word Christian included more than just people who went to the church of Christ? I honestly thought that was like our word. Like I grew up believing that Acts 2 was our history. Like that's us. And then I started learning and studying that, whoa, there are a lot of other people who love Jesus and who do things differently than me. Now, here's what I'm going to say about this. This is the most wonderful thing that, that I get to say. I'm not judging them. And, and you don't have to either. Just let God take care of it. What happens there and what happens there or wherever, let God take care of that. I'm not going to waste my energy and become mean and hateful and hurtful or feel like I'm burdened with how is God going to handle this. He's, he's got it figured out. He's got a plan. He knows what He's doing. All I need to be concerned about is when I come to the Lord, am I giving Him everything? But it's not just this idea of, well, if I do this, this, and this, I'm okay. Because Jesus is going to draw it all the way back and He says, you've heard, don't murder. But He says, really, it's not about the knife or the club or the stone or whatever it is, the, the poison, whatever it is. Okay? He says, it's really, it goes back to an issue of the heart. And if you're looking across the marketplace and you see that person that you just can't stand because they're so like you or they're so different than you and you build up that anger inside, when you wish and hope that terrible things will happen to that person and their family and their business, he says, he says you're not holding the knife but what you're doing to yourself is the exact same thing. I mean, in some ways, that, that hatred is so much worse than committing the murder. Because you can go years, day after day after day, killing that person in your mind and destroying your own spirit. That's all you think about. And I only say that because I know exactly what Jesus is talking about. I know what it's like to be consumed with hatred. I know what it's like to look at good people who hurt my feelings and me praying to God that He would absolutely ravage and destroy them and their businesses and their families. Because I wanted them to pay. I wanted them to hurt. And I would never pick up a knife or a gun or a stone. Like I'm, I'm, I'm not going to do that. I'm a pacifist. And my arm's not really that good. I have a bad aim. I'd probably miss on the stone. It would be terrible. But instead, every day I can hate them and I can kill them in my mind. And every time I perceive that something bad happened in their life, not only did I applaud that, I would pray and I would thank God for doing that to them. God, thank You for hearing my prayer and causing their business to suffer. 
And it enveloped me. And I grew such hatred and coldness for those individuals that the fruit couldn't live in me. Like there was, <laughs> there was no love coming out of my life. It affected all the other aspects of my life. And so when, when Moses stands up and says, okay, God says don't murder people, it's easy for us to say, well, I don't really do that. I'm okay. But Jesus says, no, 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 that's, that's like the end, but like there are other things in between that, are, that it's, it's just the same. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call you out. Okay? And I, I probably shouldn't, and some of you are going to be mad. And if I was on Facebook and we were friends, you would defriend me. But I'm willing to do that. Some of you have decided that you are going to let Fox News feed the anger that you have for the left. And Fox News is going to tell you how those people are the most terrible, awful people in the world. And they're going to talk about everything from their policies to their, their, what they vote for to how they treat their mom. And they're going to try to convince you that they're the worst people and you're going to hate those people. And you're going to be driving down the road in a good, wholesome place like Lee County and you're going to see a bumper sticker that says Biden and you're going to try your best not to run them off the road because that's exactly what they deserve. And Jesus says, that's not right. That's not right. Technically, have you murdered them? No. But that hate that you're building up in your life, they're still alive, but you're the one who's dying every day. Don't pretend that you're following God and His blessings will flow in your life if you're constantly consumed with anger and hatred for other people. I don't agree with the policies of all government officials. But I know this. God knit Joe Biden together in his mother's womb. And he tells me to love him. Now, that might be troublesome for some of you. And it's tough. We're, it, things have changed. I'm not going to lie. I mean, they're, they're asking us to do things that our country wasn't founded upon years ago. They're telling us, you know, you, you can't pray in school and all these other things. Like they're, they're putting all these limitations. Telling us we can't even have the Ten Commandments posted, you know, on a, a government building. Jesus doesn't say, love all the people who agree with you. He says, I'm calling you to love everyone. Because that's what God does. And you say, well, well they're wrong. You know what? Maybe they are. But guess what? I know somebody who's going to handle that situation. A key is, 
God will take care of those people. And He has the wisdom and the understanding to know what grace is going to be offered to those people and how He's going to handle them. He has the ability to show grace and love to Democrats and to Republicans, to people who live in California and Oklahoma. God has the right and the ability to love and forgive Philadelphia Eagles fans. Where I can't. <laughs> but, but if we worship a God who is able to do that, shouldn't we be people who do that as well? Are we really following God if we're not following God? If God loves other people and we're not loving other people, that doesn't sound like we're following God. And I, I apologize. I know I'm preaching to the choir. But I just, if, if you're in here this morning and you are just beaten down with what you're reading and what you're watching, if you have that anger built up inside of you, I just, I want to, I want to call you out. I want to challenge you. Let go of that hatred. Let God handle that and you just, you just make every effort to love people. So there's several things that we can do. And I've said this too many times before, but I'm going to say it again. The media is not a conduit of love. It could be. Okay, it could be. It, it, it should be. But for the most part, it's not. And you could sit there and say, it's the left hating the right. It's the right hating the left. Both ways around. What I'm saying is this. For some of you, maybe my encouragement, my challenge for you is in order to love people who are unlovable is stop getting in the circles where people just constantly berate and degrade other children of God. And so this is going to be hard. But for some of you, maybe the best thing you can do, the first step that you can take to ending the hatred in your life and what will ultimately go out into the streets and into our communities and into this country is individuals, one by one, choosing love over hate, choosing God over Satan and his demons who are trying to get inside you and just ratchet up that anger that you have for other people because of their, their voting or because of the way that they think the economy should go or the borders or whatever. Maybe the best thing that we can do for some of you is going to have to be, and you're going to get mad at me, but I'm going to tell you this anyway, put down your phones. This is what gives us life and what teaches us about love. That's what this is. I literally believe, I literally believe this transforms lives. This changes lives. 
Like, we get fancy as preachers and teachers, and we want to come up with something new and exciting and clever and witty, but this is what changes lives. Is reading about the Son of God who sees this terrible, sinful woman at the well, this lying through her teeth woman at the well, who makes up argument after argument, and all Jesus can do is pour love out in her life. And He treats her like a person. Not how she votes or how she looks or where she lives or how many husbands she's had. He loves her. He didn't hang out in the, with the Pharisees who were undoubtedly circling up talking about women like her. He could have showed up a few hours ago, not in the heat of the day, but early when all the other women were around drawing water, and he could have joined in on that conversation about the S-L-U-T that was hanging out at the well. He didn't show up then to talk about how bad she was. He showed up at that time and that place to show love. And folks, we can be transformed by this or we can continue to be angry by what we're reading here. And for some of you, this is not a problem. But for some of you, this is a big deal. This is, this is taking all your life away. And maybe it's not always just the bad things. Maybe you just keep staring at it. I don't know if it's, it's Candy Crush or scrolling on Facebook or whatever it is. But if you're missing out on this, this is life transforming. I want my life to be transformed daily. I need it to be transformed. I don't want to be the angry guy who wishes people were dead. I don't want to be the angry guy who wishes to make people dead. And the way that it happens is that we adopt the heart of Jesus. And we just start loving people and showing the world who Jesus is just by the way that we treat them. I don't know what your well will look like this week. And I don't know who's going to be standing in front of it. But I honestly believe that there are people out there who are absolutely beaten and broken down. And we talk about honoring father and mother. And I can talk about Don and Judy. And that's a loving mother and father. But you tell them, honor your father and mother. And they had a dad who left, a mom who drank, a father who abused. But we can talk about a father who loves. And for them, that might be the first idea they get of somebody who sees them or saw them for more than just a nuisance. And so, my prayer for us this morning is that we choose love. That we allow ourselves to be transformed and go into our schools and our workplaces and be radical in the way that we show kindness. And we can freak people out.
And we can love them and show them who Jesus is. So, don't murder and love your enemies. It's not an easy call, but it's the one that Jesus challenges each one of us and what He's offered to all of us. Let's close out in prayer and we'll be dismissed. God, I just I thank You again for Your Son Jesus who not only clarified and helped us to understand this idea of not murdering, but actually living it out. A Son who would honor His Father. And there are so many times that I have been dishonorable to my parents. Even in the simple things. But Jesus, there You were in the garden. And your dad didn't ask you to, to, to take out the trash or, 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 or work on your grades or be home at a certain time. Your father asked you to give up your life and to go through such an excruciating amount of pain. And the reason why He called you to do that was so that we might see just exactly how much God loves us and how much You are willing to give for us. And so as we go out into our neighborhoods, into our workplaces, we're going to be confronted with people who we just, we don't like, we don't agree with them. And yet, you give us an opportunity. You, you challenge us to love them and to show them something different in their life than the hate that surrounds all of us. God, may we, may we be um, agents of change in our communities. But let it just start with us. Let us let go of the anger that we have towards other people that even though we're not killing them, deep down it's just killing us. And so, Lord, let us let go of that. Let us show grace and mercy. And most importantly, show this world who you are. It's in your Son's name that I pray. Amen. Thank you all for being here. Don't forget, toilet paper. Ah! Bathroom tissue wars are on. Okay? For those of you online, you can send in funds, and we will send somebody out to go get them. It could be me. If you want to witness... Uh, what it's like for a preacher to be beaten in the middle of Walmart. Send in money and I'll buy all the toilet paper I can get and we'll just watch what happens. So thank you all for being here. You are dismissed.